Have you heard about the guys over at Chinook Seedery? They are the only sunflower seed company that is taking the time to connect with college athletes and trying to help them build their brand. They have eight flavors from mild to wild with way less salt and no sandpaper tone. So check them out today over at ChinookSeedery.com. That's a deep one to right. Might clear the scoreboard. Yeah, it does. Not a bad time for your first base hit of the weekend. And I know you Larry, see some happy Kurtz folks way off over there to the left. You talked to them before the game. Yeah, visited with the Kurtz family and grandma's in town and she got to see her grandson put on quite a show. You hit it over the scoreboard, it's legit. Yo, what is up, my people? It's time again. Another episode of the In Off the Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, my partner in crime, my brother from another mother, Jim Cross. Jim, it's me and you tonight, but we're not going to waste time because the team that we're talking about, the man that we're talking about, hasn't wasted any time at all this season. Not only are they number one in the country, but they're hitting bombs, they're pitching it well, they're the number one overall seed right now, and it probably isn't going to change, so let's get to it, man. Help me welcome on to the show with the biggest interview in podcasting this week, our man, Wake Forest baseball star, Nick Kurtz. All right, the man Nikki Nukes is in the house. How are we doing tonight? I'm doing good, man. How are you doing? Man, we are blessed. Uh, you know, talking to a guy who's a part of the number one team in the country who just, you know, does everything, man. Dropping bombs, team guy, you know, in his second season. But we're going to get into all that Wake Forest stuff here in a minute. We want to kind of break the ice, you know, find out about you. You know, if you were to put on the the ear pods right now and you were to pick one song what is your song right now you're vibing with oh um what am i vibing with probably probably last night by morgan wallen is what i'm going with or some some drake song one of those two i'd say might might want to stick with the drake morgan wallen is a <laughs> hot topic right here i'm in north yeah Mississippi. yeah <laughs> uh, so i was actually at the old miss lsu series and the game on Sunday ended, and when I left, everybody was lined up to see that concert. And uh, obviously, yeah. we know how that went. So that's a that's a that's a hot button topic here in North Mississippi. <laughs> yeah, it's not too good to have Morgan Wall tickets right now. That's not what. <laughs> Absolutely not. So, on a brighter note, man, what's your favorite baseball movie all time? Um, I think I go Sandlot. I think I just gotta go basic and say Sandlot. It's always a movie to watch growing up. Watched it probably over 30 times, so got to go with that one. There's no wrong answer because there's so many good baseball movies, but that is the right answer. That that That's my number one, and so anytime somebody says that, I make sure to agree with them and tell them because it's the epitome of what baseball is. It's, it's a kid's exactly. game. It's you and your boys having fun. Um, and so with that, man, um, you know, in that movie, Babe Ruth is everything to them, and so I ask you, you know, who's your favorite athlete all time? Favorite all time? I think I gotta say Bryce Harper. Uh, you know, growing I'm a Phillies fan, so growing up I didn't 
when he played for the Nats, at least I didn't like him too much, but I always like liked the way he played. You know, he always had that kind of fire. And then and when he became a Philly, you know, he brought a championship or at least a trip to the World Series back to Philly. So that was pretty cool. Are you are you Adam Cesare's like clone? Because he answered <laughs> that question verbatim, even with the whole Nationals Phillies part. Like, no, I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, I didn't, <laughs> he was like. He's a guy we both kind of resemble our game around, but yeah, I didn't know that. And no doubt. So y'all got the same boy, y'all rooting for the same team. So y'all got something to do if they make make postseason run again, which I I think there is. I haven't got to pay. His, I'm all in on college baseball right now, so I don't think the Phillies are are doing as hot as they were no. last year. Great right now, but you know, hopefully they turn around. Yeah, all good. Plenty of time, plenty of time. But with that, man, let's get into your story. So where are you originally from? Uh, I'm from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. It's a small town, like outside of Philly, like about 45 minutes from Philly. Gotcha, gotcha. And family dynamics, man. If I see this correctly, you got a uh, you got three siblings. Yep, three siblings: two older brothers and a younger sister. All right, so you kind of fall somewhat in the middle. Uh, senior, senior older brother played baseball as well. You know, as far as you know, obviously I know there's some gaps in there between the four of y'all, but you know, was it real, real close? Uh, brothers and sisters, or were you a lot of competition? How, how, how was it in the household? Yeah, I mean, so my two brothers are about ten years older than I. They're my half brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, they were always like the, the the guys, the cool guys I wanted to hang out with when I was a little kid, and. You know, we always like, and I had my little sister who was, we're all very protective over. And and then growing up, you know, those two guys, I grew up going to their games, going to their baseball, basketball games. And my dad also coached them. And then he coached me. So kind of a big baseball family. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And so with that, man, when did you decide you want to start playing baseball? Oh, as long as I can remember. Uh, I mean, I think I for one of the earliest memories I have is, you know, having a little tiny, like, a uh, rubber bat and just hitting and hitting with a wiffle ball out in the backyard with my brothers and my dad. Yeah, that I mean that's almost always the story. We have the occasional late bloomer. They didn't start until you know maybe nine, ten years old. But more times than not, it's like their earliest memory, and and it really speaks to probably why most of y'all are at the, you know the talent level. Y'all been putting in work from day one since you could since you could walk. So you know, with that, I, I know that that's not the only sport you played. Uh, what else did you play growing up? Uh, I played a lot of basketball. I played basketball about all my life. Uh, I played football for one year in high school. Uh, mom wasn't too happy with that, so that that only lasted that only lasted a year. Uh, but I played basketball since I can remember as well. Just around the same time I started yeah. playing baseball. I mean, there's, so no point, there's no point getting hit if you're as good at the other two. <laughs> exactly. I went one year of it. One year was good. I had fun. I don't regret not playing anymore. I feel you. I feel you. So you know, what high school did you attend? So for my freshman year of high school, I went to a public school called Manhattan Township. And then from there, I transferred to a boarding school in, in Tennessee called Baylor. Not not Baylor, Texas, but Baylor in Tennessee, Chattanooga. Interesting. Yeah, no, I de- I saw the the Baylor. I did not even notice that that was in Tennessee. So that's pretty, pretty interesting dynamic. I've seen, though, you were ranked the number 10 recruit out of Pennsylvania, which, you know, that, that makes it all the more interesting because you were, you were playing in Tennessee. But – um, number two first baseman. You earned all region honors in, in baseball as well as all state. Also played basketball. As you mentioned, you were all region twice in that. So, you know, I want to talk about the basketball for a second. We have so many baseball players come on here and lie to us, Nick. They tell us they can hoop, and then we'll talk to their teammates, <laughs> and they say their game is busted. They ain't got a jumper or nothing. <laughs> I ask, can you can you still hoop, Nick? Can I still hoop? Yeah. Uh, 
No, I wouldn't say really. No, nah, not really at all. Uh, I used to. I used to be like in high school. I was pretty good. I won't. I won't lie. Like I averaged like nineteen a game my junior year. I didn't play my senior year, but I was pretty good in high school. But I put on a couple more pounds now. Put a little bit more weight on. I can't move as well as I used to, for sure. You, you probably still dominate the church leagues. You know the local, the local oh, yeah. state leagues. Yeah, yeah. I'll get in. I'm, I'm a, I'm a good post guy. You know, I'll get in there. My post moves are pretty good. I can't shoot for much, but my, my, I can, I can work inside the paint for sure. Yeah, no doubt. So you know, you say you go to the private school. You obviously are the boarding school, and you know, you, you move off to there. What's the competition like? You know, down there in Chattanooga for for your high school. Yeah, so we played we played teams from Nashville and Memphis. So we were kind of all around the state of Tennessee. Um, it was pretty good. I mean, we have a lot of. I mean, our team was kind of like a. We were really good. We had almost a full like team. Like our whole lineup was almost ACC or SEC committed. Um, my own teammate Danny Corona, he went there with me as well. Out of my class, we had a uh, Cooper Kinney. He got drafted in the first round two years ago out of high school. Like we had some good guys, but nonetheless, like I don't like the the talent in the league was pretty good. We had. Almost every every team had one like one or two power five guys, so I'd say more than like my usual public school league. But honestly, I mean it could have been a little better, but it was still fun. You know, we had we had a great time. There's good competition. Almost, and we saw the guys ace the best arm they had almost every game. Yeah, I mean we're we're very familiar. All three of us are from Memphis. Um, you know our main host uh, who isn't here. He uh, you know he played for for Bolton, who's not a powerhouse now because Arlington kind of stole the show, but they were then in the in the Memphis area and played against all the Tennessee teams. Now, like I said, I'm in DeSoto County, so you got DeSoto Central and Lewisburg who are putting out guys all around the SEC right now. So it's a real, you know, like you said, the Tennessee area, North Mississippi, it's, it's a real talent-rich area, and you get good competition, which obviously makes you better um, for the long run. So with that, man, you know, were you able to play travel ball with being able to playing basketball and playing, you know, there at high school? Yeah, I played over the summer back home. I didn't do I didn't do anything in the fall because we ramped up for basketball season, but I did summer with a team called the Maryland Red Sox. They're out of Maryland. Gotcha. And so at what point, you know, with your athletic talent, with what you're doing on the diamond, do you start getting approached for um, colleges, you know, getting real consideration? Um, so I committed to Wake Forest my freshman year of high school. So I was one of the really, really early ones. Um, I started, I think I got my first phone call, like, the summer going into my freshman year. And then I played, uh, I was on the, like, the USA, like, developmental team, like, 15, 14 new, and then 15 new trials. I was there. And that's where a lot of the teams saw me. That's when Wake first contacted me, you know, some of these other ACC schools. So I say around, like, the fall of freshman year is when schools started looking at me. Yeah, and so, I mean, you know, you obviously say you you'll pick Wake at such an early age. Was it one of those things where they were one of the first ones to jump on you, or is it a school that you were really looking at already? No, they necessarily weren't the first, like, to to jump on me. I wasn't really looking at them either. They weren't – I won't I won't lie and say, like, they were my dream school. But it was just kind of one of those things, like, when I took my visit and I stepped on campus, it just, like, felt right. Like, it just felt like it, it, it worked, it fixed. It was um, it was good. So I kind of that's when I was like, yeah, this is the place I want to be. So obviously, based upon the way things are going, um, I don't even got to ask you if there's any regrets. But, you know, we've been talking to a lot of our guests since the rule has dropped down that, you know, you can't commit that early. And they've all said that um, they for if not because they would choose a different school, but, you know, get a chance to actually visit other schools, you know, really take it in, have time to think about it. Do you like the new rule put in place that, you know, you have to wait and you can't commit that early? Um, 
I don't hate it. I mean, I, I think that um, I think they just put in that the coaches can't even talk to him until I think that they should be able to build a relationship before that. But I don't hate like the coming on campus, you know, seeing it till junior year. I think that's a good rule. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. So let, let's get into it, man. When you get into Winston Salem, you know, what are the emotions like? You know, some guys are nervous, some guys, um, you know, are amped and ready to go, and some guys are kind of falling in between. Where are you? Uh, I was pretty nervous. I was pretty nervous because uh, I actually committed here as a pitcher uh, back in freshman year, and then I kind of changed into a two-way guy, and then I kind of became a hitter only. And I didn't really know how much the coaches really saw me hit. I always knew I could hit, but I wasn't very sure. So I was a little, a little nervous, a little anxious coming off campus in, in the summer. And that's exactly why we do these shows, right? Like you sit there and say to us and to and to most of the Wake Forest fan base, they probably don't even know, and nationally for that matter, know that you know you were brought in as a pitcher and didn't know how well you could rake. And here we are, you know, we're yeah. going to get into the numbers, and it's like that's that's just wild to even think about, and and it's good stuff to know, like stuff we would have never known otherwise. And so, I mean. You may have been nervous, but freshman All-American by D1, uh, perfect game, baseball American, NCBWA, and collegiate baseball, third-team All-ACC and ACC All-Freshman team, batted 338, 15 home runs, 56 RBIs, 65 runs, and oh, by the way, led the ACC with a 422 batting average and 550 or 548 on-base percentage in conference play. So when I read that back to you, man, when you came into your freshman year, you just told me you're nervous. Did you and your wildest like expectations ever expect to do that well? No, absolutely not. No, I, I always knew like I could. I knew I had it like in me, but you know, I was I was I was worried about playing. I was worried about you know winning winning a starting spot before I was trying to put those kind of numbers up. I'd say. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, like you know, there's a there's a lot of guys who say they just kind of they go and they don't set any expectations, and there are some and and i can only imagine if you did have expectations i mean i mean those are some gaudy numbers you i, I knew you were going to say you exceed if you had higher than that projected you were really killing <laughs> yourself but you being that you said you were nervous i, I knew that wasn't going to be the case yeah. so no. you know freshman year man it's it's always it's always fun to to get you know st starting off like hardest road environment like what was the wildest place you played uh nc state last year for sure it was it was the last series of the year. We both needed to us and them were kind of on the bubble of making the tournament. Um, we we really needed to win. They needed to win, and there was a packed crowd and they, they chirp as they always do, which I love. I think it makes it more fun, but it's definitely a hostile environment. Yeah, man, in in state rivals, no doubt. As far as home, man, what was your favorite home series for your freshman year? My freshman year home series. Uh, oof. trying to think back. I think Clemson. Clemson, Clemson or Louisville last year were both good ones. Louisville was a uh, Mother's Day weekend, so we had a pretty good crowd for that one. Clemson, we we always have a big crowd for Clemson. That's one of our good rivals. Yeah, the 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 key to the key to these uh you know crowds and and we'll get into obviously this year as soon as it's all about the weather. You know, I'm seeing the the attendance numbers you're putting up now. When I came, it was it was a little too cold, Nick, but I, <laughs> I, nonetheless, I was there. But we'll we'll get that we'll get there soon enough. But, yeah. So, you know, y'all get to regionals, man, at College Park, Maryland. You know, talk to Adam and Brock about it on here. You know, obviously it didn't go the way you expected, but, you know, what was it like? You know, obviously y'all reached the postseason. 
Um, and then, you know, so you get that learning experience, but also knowing what you had coming back, the expectation level of the team coming into the next year. Yeah, I mean, we all wanted, we all went into that, you know, that regional thinking we were going to win, believing we were going to win. Sometimes it really just doesn't work out that way. So, and that was a feeling that, you know, all the guys who came back, we sat down and were like, we don't want to feel that way again. Like, we don't want that to happen. And, you know, we, we knew what we had coming back. We knew kind of expectations we were going to have. And we all sat down and like, but this is a good thing. It's, it's better to have these expectations than not. Like, you know, yeah, we're supposed to be good. So we're going to, we're going to do what we can to be good type of thing. Yeah, and, and that was what they said, man, and, and and that's why when when you looked at that roster and you looked at what was coming back, and I, I'm going to talk about when I did my my preseason predictions on on you guys, like I mean, if if I'm one if I'm one of you guys and I'm looking around and I'm knowing the guys that are coming back, it, it's a it's a crappy feeling to go home, but I'm like, man, next year next season can't get here soon enough, and so you know, with that, man, first, I want to start as we get into the season, congratulations, you know, being named first team all ACC today. Um, So congratulations on that. Thank you. I got to ask you, man, we don't do controversy in the show, but man, hey, I put it out there today and it spread like wildfire. Apparently everybody agrees with me and it wasn't just ACC people and it wasn't even just Wake Forest people. It It was a lot of people around the country. You know, what's up with Brock Wilkin, my boy, your boy, you know, not even getting first team with those kind of numbers, man. I like, is, is this going to, is this going to help him? Is this going to fuel fire, put a chip on his shoulder? Yeah, for sure. And we were talking about today, we we, we we didn't understand. We couldn't believe what was happening, but you know, we're not, we're not too worried about it. I mean, we'll take, we'll take the team, the team championships over the individual performance. Oh, absolutely. Every time. And, you know, Ethan Petrie had, had messaged me because they play they played ball together and he's like, man, it's not going to uh, bother him because, you know, he's an even better person than he is ball player. So he said it's not going to deter him at all. Yeah, we talked about it, but he, we're, we're focused on what's to come, the, the bigger things, the more important things. Absolutely. So, you know, your stats this year, man, only 371, 21 home runs, 61 RBI, 60 runs and Man, you've been walked 49 times, and that's not even including uh, HVPs or anything like that. Um, so let's get into it, man. I, I, what I was talking about, preseason, I wrote about y'all all the way back in October. Had y'all preseason ranked number three, did my homework, felt like y'all were a threat to win it all. I actually have my money on y'all at the casino. I got y'all <laughs> plus 4,000, Nick, because people weren't doing their homework. They just <laughs> did not know, and here y'all are, you know, obviously sitting number one. Um, you know, we had Brock and Adam on, like I said, went 10 hours to watch you guys play against Notre Dame with my son, regardless of the weather, regardless of being cold, it did not stop you from being hot, man. You teed off, you were dropping bombs all weekend. Um, so I appreciate the entertainment. And so, you know, let's talk about this season, you know, just how talented is this team? Uh, it's the most talented team I've ever been a part of ever. I mean, just like this and just most importantly, like the mound, like the pitching staff we have is just insane. Like to have the weekend rotation we have, and then the pieces out of the pen, and it's going to be hard to beat us two games out of three. You know, we kind of showed that all year with you know going ten for ten ACC series. But I don't, I don't know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to face our guys. That's for sure. Yeah, no, that was the interesting uh, part. Me and actually a guy who covers Arkansas. Uh, you know, we we talked about the pitching early in the season because everybody was calling out Rake Forest, obviously, rightfully so. But we were like, man. 
y'all need to pay attention to the pitching. I think they were they were so caught up with just the way y'all y'all were hitting bombs, they didn't realize how good the pitching. And then as y'all got into ACC play, and that pitching stood out, and then you know D one came out with their top five pitcher rankings, and you got your whole starting rotation in the top five, and it's like okay. Maybe, you know, I think that put the whole nation on notice. Maybe we need to start paying attention to Wake Forest's pitching just as much as we are their batting. And so, like you said, man, that's just how talented this team. Um, you know, aside from talent, what do you feel like makes this team even more special? Um, it's just like the bond we have with one another. I mean, we love each other so much and we enjoy coming to the field every single day, spend time with one another. And, you know, it's the first time I can like truly say that every guy roots for one another to do the best they can. You know, guys, you know, pulling for their individual stats, wants to have the best average on the team. Like, every time someone goes up, we want them to get a hit. We want the, that guy to strike him out. We just we just want to win. That's what We, we want to win as a team. That's all we care about. Yeah, no doubt. And so, you know, is there a season – or excuse me. Is there a series in this season where, you know, obviously you guys feel the way y'all do now, but it, was there a time, like, during the season where y'all felt like, okay, we're undoubtedly the best team, like – I know that sounds arrogant, but like I know it has to be a talk amongst you guys. Like, guys, this is for real. Like, we're we're the best team, and there ain't even a question. Yeah, it was uh, the Miami series. I'd say was the turning point for that for sure. I mean, they're coming in. They were I can't remember what we were ranked and what they were ranked, but we knew they were good. You know, we had a huge crowd that weekend. We we were all juiced up, and we kind of we really showed out for sure. That's when we all we all knew at that point. Like, we can we can do this. Like. We, we're, we're better than everyone else. We're just as good as everyone else. And just what they talk about, like our guys can do this just like they can. Yeah, no doubt. And so with guys talking, I got to know, man, we've had guys from the last two seasons from Tennessee and Arkansas on. I'm a, I'm somebody who's scared of the number one seed just because going back to 99, you've had Tennessee and Arkansas players from 2021, Arkansas, 2022, Tennessee, who talked about, man, like they felt, uh, you know, unbeatable, invincible, like the best team. And so do you guys like, do y'all, are y'all nervous at all about holding that number one based upon like historically what's just been going on recently? Uh, I mean, like, you know, there, we all, there's talks about it and we've talked about it with one another, but we're just, I mean, it's good. It's a good problem to have. I mean, if we're going to complain about being number one, then it's not really why we should play the game. Play the game. <laughs> Somebody's yeah. got to break a curse, right? That's how, yeah. I mean, that's the only way. Why not us, right? Why not us? Why, why not? Exactly. It, it, but it was funny because as an LSU fan and and my team held number one most of the year, I did not want it. But the, <laughs> the, the thing was I had kept telling, you know, Brock, we, we've been messaging all year. I was like, man, if LSU doesn't win it, I want Wake Forest to win it. And so when y'all slipped up and took number one and the way I kind of feel about that curse, I was like, well, that, that wasn't the team. Like I was like hoping Florida would stay hot and get it. And then like <laughs> – Go ahead and give it to them boys. I don't care nothing for Florida, but unfortunately it fell the way it did. So let's hope y'all are y'all are curse breakers if that's the case. Um, but last question, man, and I and we'll we'll get off the baseball and we'll get into uh some this or that and play a game. Um, do you like it better now that people are giving you guys the respect you deserve, or did you, and not even just you, your team, or did y'all kind of like it better when everybody was sleeping on y'all? I liked it better when they're sleeping on us, to be honest. Uh, we kind of, at least last year, I felt like we kind of always flew under the radar. And, you know, people didn't really give us the respect we thought we deserved, but it was kind of fun at the same time, like, same time, kind of like proving people wrong. And now the only way it's changed is that we just got to prove people right. 
so that's really the only difference between this year and last year. So either way, it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, I've always liked being the sleeping giant, no doubt. But it, it is good to get the respect because there were so many people that, you know, um, especially before, you know, y'all got into some of those bigger ACC series saying that y'all were overranked, overhyped and everything. And then, like you like you said, your pitching staff showed out. Y'all, y'all didn't lose a series against, you know, I mean, ACC is – you know, got so many high quality teams and you didn't, you didn't lose to any of them. And, and so now everybody, everybody knows. And it's one of those things, man. I don't know. I like respect, but I also like being slept on so I can, you know, I can catch somebody, but you know, I guess it's, I guess it's a win either way, but uh, with that, you know, we'll play this game, but best of luck to you guys as you know, you get into the rest of the season. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Nick, man, that, you know, before we get, to the end obviously we're going to give you a chance to do what every guest that we've had it's over 200 guests they're going to play a game called this or that it's it's where we get a chance to to judge you a little bit where we get a chance to really learn about who you are outside of baseball off the diamond so you, you down to play yeah let's do it all right so it's very simple i'm going to give you two options you're going to choose one option or the other seen you hit bombs so i know you, you can you can handle this this, this is this, this is no big deal for you so um starting off if you had a time machine let's say they whittled one up at wake forest the, the deacon himself you know put one together for you you get a chance to go back in the past or you can fast forward to the future where are you going i'm going to pass what are you going to do are you going to change anything just relive it what, what's I'm probably going to go before my lifetime, to be honest. Kind of want to like explore what happened before, you know, old times and see what it was like. What What would be the one thing you really want to know? Like, I don't want to go back to like, like uh, the roaring 20s, like World War One era, era and kind of figure out like how, why and how that actually happened. It's always the 20s, Daniel. Always. Everybody i'm going i'm going to dallas to watch the jfk assassination and find out the answer to that damn question yeah that too <laughs> i haven't even really given i just I, I just say the questions i never really give them too much thought but that kind of i think i'd have to think about that if i went in the past outside of my lifetime what would, what would i do i don't know i have to come up with something uh <laughs> You'd have to go back to the 90s when the Cowboys actually won championships. Yeah, when I was wearing my badass starter jacket, man. <laughs> and then what are the days? All right, Nick, would you rather be the strongest and the fastest man alive? Or would you give all that up to be able to fly? Oh, fly. Fly for sure. Yeah, I feel like, you know, outside of Jim, I feel like that's the right answer. We've had who who was we've, it? We've had two. Um uh, we had the the female gymnast, she she said she would and then I can't remember if it was Trey Morgan or Trey Richardson. It's one of the Trays said it. Yeah, I think being able to fly is where it's at, man, cuz yeah, I got to do that. You could bypass a lot of headaches if you could just fly. All right, would you rather be trapped in a romantic comedy with your enemies, so a rom-com with your enemies, or a horror movie with your friends? Rom-com. Finally. Wow. 
He's the first one, and I would I'm surprised because I don't want to be in a horror movie. But go ahead and ask him about it. Good with horror. I don't need that. No thanks. No, see, you I brought this up to our last guest. Um, you know, you get put in a situation like Saw where you gotta choose whose leg you're gonna cut off. Like Yeah, I'm not doing that. Like I like Jim and all, but it ain't gonna be me. <laughs> so um yeah, I think rom-com with my enemies. Maybe, you know, most rom-coms usually turn into happy endings. So maybe, you know, before the end of it, you're friends. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Would you rather attend a concert or a sporting event? And before you answer, think about it in terms of, like, this is the bucket list, the, the creme de la creme of all concerts and all sporting events that you have to choose from. Uh, sporting event. No question. What what is the bucket list sporting event on on your on your radar? What do you got to go? See? I want to go to like a World Baseball Classic, like gold medal game, like championship game. That's what I want to go to. This past year, I think we we talked about this. This past year would have been a legit yeah. one. Yeah. Do you think, Nick? I mean, obviously, the popularity now of, of baseball around the world is is grown, but the popularity of the world baseball classic, you know, from a pride standpoint was bigger this year than it's ever been. Do you think they can replicate that or just the scenario that played out at the end is how they were able to kind of capture the the lightning in the bottle, so to speak? Yeah, I think like the Shohei versus Mike Trout was like the perfect ending to it. Even though it ended with the USA loss, I think that that kind of captured the moment perfectly. Yeah, USA. We got to do something. We got to bring that thing home. It's it's, uh, it's due. Uh, who hits better bombs, you or Brock Wilkin? I do. I mean, I, I'll tell you this. I, <laughs> I, I, I've looked at clips and they don't talk about. You know, I like Brock. He's a great dude. Um, put. You know, Wake Forest on the map as far as on this podcast, first Wake Forest guest had. But when they talk about your home runs, Nick, like the <laughs> adjectives that they use to describe these things are, it's not even, you guys aren't even in the same ballpark. <laughs> Literally. Well, like, they're, they're not on the same episode together, but this will be like when Lipscomb and Pavoloni were on. And so Lipscomb said, well, I hit more. They're just not as far. And that's what Brock would probably try to argue. Yeah, he would say that, yeah. He would say that. Yeah, it's it's crazy because you you don't get a chance to hear it. I'm sure unless you go back and you like you're you're rewatching games or you hear it. But I'll give you an example of, and this isn't a very good clip. This is just one that I found. But this is an example of of how they speak about you and when you hit a bomb. <laughs> so much more mature, even just over one year period. You see the fun that they're having. Uh, everybody's the camaraderie there in this clubhouse. Oh my gosh, Nikki Hertz just did it. Jackson Denny's really having um, off-balance with a lot of slow stuff, a lot of speed stuff, and now Aiden Terrell comes in and lets 
I mean, they, <laughs> to start, they they were speechless. They couldn't find what to say, and they were just like, "Oh my god." <laughs> so, so two parts to that clip, Daniel. First of all, I was at that game. That's against Notre Dame. Yeah. And the second part is the question that was asked was Brock Wilkin, and you didn't cut it off in time that we could hear Brock's walk-up song, which just makes it that much better. <laughs> yeah, it's um, I did, I now that you think about it, now that you you mention it, I do realize now that he would have been the next batter, but it's just man seeing it. Like, and then listening to them talk about it, like, it just, it's just so funny to me because that's, you know, when someone goes, oh my God, that's because they're like baffled on what to say because they can't believe what they're, what they're watching. My favorite clip was the one I watched the hit off the scoreboard and they were talking about his grandmother was there and they had spoken to his family before the game. And uh, he decided to absolutely just smoke one off the scoreboard. So that, that clip, they have that one. Um, the only problem with the ones that I pulled was that it was so loud. It was like you couldn't even – you could barely tell what they were saying. But I did get to the point where they talked about your grandmother was there, and, and I don't know what was said after that. But I could imagine, like, being able to do something like that in front of, in front of your, your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, that's a big deal. But to do it in front of grandma, like, that's – that's special. <laughs> yeah. I think that was uh, Easter last year that they said that, actually. Uh, on Easter, too, man. I, mean, yeah, I think that was Easter weekend. I was thinking that was on Easter. Yeah. Nice. nice. So, would you rather have black uniforms or would you rather have the pinstripes? Oh, pins. Pins for sure. Pins are my favorite unis. Is it just like a, a classic look or is it just? They, that's just the thing. Like, is, is that the, the consensus among all the players you think, or? I don't know about what you feel. Just kind of, I mean, you know, you're wearing the pins, the red louders on the mound. We usually win. All good things happen usually in the pins. Well, well, I'll tell you this, if they make it to Omaha, which I believe they will, uh, those blacks are not going to be fun. Cause when it's one ten, the blacks oh, are yeah. terrible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's pretty cool when you trot around them bases half speed, you know. <laughs> nice flow, you know, touch them all. Um, would you rather be attacked by a grizzly bear or a tiger? Now, we, we understand, like, you're not going to survive either one, but yeah. if you felt like you had a fighting chance, which one are you going to choose? Well, I think, I think the bear would kill me faster. Than a tiger would. And so if, if I wanted like a, a quick death, I think I'd go. I think the, I think the tiger would just like start like biting me. I think the bear would just. I think the bear's like, the scariest thing ever. <laughs> I mean, it, so here's the thing, man. It's on the surface you think, all right, bears bigger, bears stronger, but I've seen bears play with their food. I've seen bears hibernate. I've seen bears just. Yeah. I mean, Outrun the bear too. I doubt it. Yeah, probably not. It's that, you 30, know how 30, 30, 35 how miles per hour. 
Like I've seen you move around the bases, man, but no, I can't even at 35 miles an hour fast. Yeah. And it, it's not like, so like with, with bears, it's not like they're going 35 miles an hour all at once. But once they get up to top speed, yeah, they can rumble for a little bit. I still think it's always the right answer. I'd rather just deal with the bear, man. Tigers, you know. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I don't know. Tigers, right. man. Tigers hunt at night. You don't see in the dark. Like I ain't trying to play that game. At least let me fight something that I can see. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All, All right. right. Mm. All right, Nick. This is the last question. This is kind of the, the benchmark question for season seven. Would you rather betray your best friend or would you rather go to jail for five years for a crime you didn't commit? Now, this is the ultimate betrayal. Like, you're not you're your best friend. You're not coming back from this for five years for a crime you didn't commit. I think I'm going to jail. I think I'm doing it. You know, I know that they, they give you a great education at Wake Forest. <laughs> that is not the right answer. <laughs> I mean, like, best friend, ride or die, like, like I don't know. And no, it's because he's had the education at Wake Forest. He knows that he can say that on this podcast, and he doesn't have to be telling the truth. He knows his friend, if he hears it, he's covering his bases. But Maybe really, not. if it came to it, he's not going to jail. That's okay. If my best friend sees it, he'll hear that part. That's fine. And and But the, the reality is, man, like, I, there's yeah. a lot of guys that come on here, and they, they, they give that answer. Yeah, and, no, I, I know for a fact, like, that's not a life that, that anybody that comes on this podcast is about. Maybe, I, maybe I, one or two guys. Maybe. I like right now, in this moment, I'd say that. But in the, in the moment, yeah, I don't think there's a way. Well, what, if I, what if I told you, Nick, that the UFC fighter that came on here said he wants no part of jail because he's been there? And I'm saying, okay, so I got a guy who's been there with experience. I got a guy who marks people in the octagon and he says I want a part of jail, then I sure as heck don't. And me and yeah. have said we will not do jail for each other. I, if I have to snitch him to go to jail before me, I will. <laughs> no, I ain't. I've known him a long time, my best friend. Like, I, I ain't spending – I ain't even going to the parking lot for that dude. I ain't spending five seconds. So, <laughs> he's going to home. That's a tough question. It, it is, man. It really is because it's it's really at at the base of it. It's it's a loyalty driven question. And yeah, you want everyone's pride is 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 very very strong when it comes to loyalty. Yeah, you want to think that you're going to be the guy who does it for him, but probably not. <laughs> probably. <laughs> I'll show my loyalty in other areas. I ain't going to jail. Yeah, <laughs> I do. Get you a good lawyer. Daniel, I'll take care of your kids while you're in jail. How about that? <laughs> that scares me even more. <laughs> <laughs> no, Nick, man, that's that's it, man. You're off the hot seat. We we put a little bow on this episode, man. I want to want to thank you for being a part of it. Thank you for bringing Wake Forest back on the show again. Um, obviously, you guys are 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 motoring. You guys are are grooving. You guys are ready. Um, but. Uh, big big weekends coming up for you guys. 
Um, regardless of the outcome this weekend, you, you, you probably are going to host. Um, that's a big deal in uh, a good position to be. I mean, I don't want to say it, man, but a good position to be the, the number one seed overall, whether you believe in that or not. But it's 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 a good thing, man. You guys are, are, are crushing it and you got supporters here. But for you bounce, man, anything you want to plug or promote? Yeah, go uh, follow me on Instagram, Nick Kurtz underscore eight. About it. Look at that, man. I didn't even have to do it. I didn't even. So most people leave out their their socials, but man, you you threw it out there, man. I will I will add to it. If you want to <laughs> keep up with the the Demon Deacons, you want to see how the baseball teams faring in the in the ACC tournament. If you want to see them host a regional, go on over to Instagram at Wake Baseball. Nick, dude, it was an honor, a pleasure. We wish you nothing but luck through the rest of the season. And, and who knows, man, if, if, if things align and, and a special season is upon us, which it, it very could, well could be, we'd like to bring you on, talk about it, and kind of recap it all. Sounds good, man. Thank you. All right. That's Nick Kurtz, everybody. We're going to take a quick little break, but when we come back, we got to talk SEC tournament, ACC tournament. We got to talk college baseball in general. There's some big matchups, big weekend ahead of us. Um, you don't want to miss it. So stick around. We'll be back. Do you like having posters and supporting your favorite athletes? Well, the Athletic Collection gives you a chance to do that with the best posters in the game. They have many different teams with many different sports. Myself as an LSU fan, I just got myself LSU baseball, LSU gymnastics, and LSU soccer posters to put up in the man cave. So get your posters today at the Athletic Collection, which you can find on Instagram and Twitter. Welcome back to the show. Once again, the In Off the Bench podcast. and We're back with headlines. And really, Jim, it's me and you tonight. And the headlines really is college baseball. We have had a full regular season and now it's time for the put up and shut up time of the season conference tournaments uh leading into regionals getting the the eventually down to the the 18s that are going to go down to omaha um we got three weekends left a lot of baseball to be played a lot of stories to be written a lot of questions to be answered but obviously you know we cover a lot of the SEC, so we need to start there. Um, SEC tournament, the the brackets are out. It's um, single elimination tomorrow, followed by double elimination the rest of the way. Um, looking at those single elimination games, you you start off early tomorrow. You got South Carolina and Georgia. Um, I believe it's a six seed South Carolina versus eleven seed Georgia. Um, what are your thoughts on single elimination and then leading into double elimination? Let's start there. I mean, single elimination, you know, I'm all for it with the way the tournament's set up, but it does, you know, some of these teams that are in this single elimination, um, you know, I feel like they deserve better, more opportunity, um, especially because some of them could put themselves into a much better seating spot in the overall regional um, but, you know, is what it is. I know that I'll be in Hoover come Thursday, and so I hope all the right teams win in this single elimination. That way, on Thursday and Friday, uh, I'm getting to see all the teams that I would like to see. Luckily, the teams that, that we cheer on the most 
um, for the exception of Tennessee, are all uh, with a bye and will be there no matter what. So let's let's get into it. Uh, the the opening round, ten thirty tomorrow morning. You got South Carolina and Georgia. Um, obviously, South Carolina is been injured, been beat up. They're getting guys back. Um, in, in all accounts, you know, one of the big hitters, you know, Braylon Wimmer coming off. He had a home run this weekend. Looked a lot better. Um, still, they 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 fell to Tennessee. But given what South Carolina has back versus how they've looked in the previous four conference series, where do you stand on them against Georgia? Well, they've made it clear, you know, with their coach, and you know this as well as anybody, um, they're only really focused on the postseason. And when they said that, I don't even think they meant the SEC tournament, whereas Georgia's really trying to play for something, right? Backs are against the wall. They got to win some games. Um, you got Condon and you got Tate and you got those guys who can hammer the ball. I don't know. Uh, they've, they've maybe announced it by now and I hadn't seen it. Um, who South Carolina's throwing, but I love, I love Georgia's lineup. I just, I just got to watch them against LSU. Um, they're, they're two, three and fours is, is, is as good as anybody. Obviously I just mentioned a couple of them because Georgia has so much more to play for. And because South Carolina has already kind of said, we just want to be healthy for the postseason. That kind of makes me think they're not going to try to go all in in any way, shape or form to win this tournament. And so I, I think Georgia wins. Wow. That's uh that's, that's bold. I think it's going to come down to a couple of things. Um, First thing, well, it's going to come down to a couple of things. And what I mean by that is going to be one thing or the other. I think South Carolina can beat Georgia despite who they decide to throw if they get back to hitting the baseball the way that they were in the first 30 games of the season. Um, if they're not there, then really the guy on the mound matters. And, you know, obviously right now, their best arm is is Mahoney. If you throw him, then you win. Let's say you win, then it's like, well, how does that set up for the rest of the weekend? Or do you even worry about that? You just play it one game at a time. Um, you could go Eli Jones. Um, you could go Becker. Those are. I, I got it. It's actually going to be James Hicks. James Hicks. So that's not that's not a bad option either. He's he started a few games. He's actually six good. and one. Yeah, looked very good um, in a lot of the games now. With Hicks, I think still you need a, a good outing, um, but the sticks need to need to start picking it up. I'm hoping that um, maybe they can use this weekend, despite what they do, you know to hopefully catapult them and get some momentum moving in the right direction. But I do inevitably think that um, South Carolina is going to win. Um, I think it's going to be a, a grind game. I think most of these games in the early rounds are going to be hard fought. They're going to be tough. Um, but I, I got South Carolina moving on in like a nine to seven win. Um, you know, they're going to. Does, does Petrie and Wimmer have bombs in this game? Um. I think Cole Messina is going to have an amazing game. I think Petri is going to have a decent game. Um, I don't know if they're going to hit bombs, but I think I think Cole Messina is going to have a big day. So you, you heard it here first. 
Um, moving in, into the next game, you got Tennessee at Texas A&M. So the, the first question is, obviously, all right, who do you have winning? I have Tennessee, and I do know who's pitching, just FYI, and that's one of the reasons why I have them winning. So my assumption is that Tennessee is not going to pitch Dolander. No. They are going with IOTB guest Seth Halverson. Wow. Let's see. And that's actually another – that's one that if you gave me the options, I don't know if I would have picked him. Um I mean, I think I would have went with Dolander, to be honest. But that's one of the luxuries we've talked about. I mean, he's been coming out of the bullpen, but that's a weekend starter for 99% of other teams. And so what a luxury coming into Hoover being yeah. able, um, to, to roll the dice like that because then if you, you do that, then you're going to get probably Doe the next game. Well, and I think what happens now is, okay, you give Halverson a chance to start. And let's say he does well. Now you have another option to start a game because you know you're going to play more baseball outside of this weekend. But knowing that you have a guy that can come in and, and big situations and play a good team um, and do well, that's that's huge moving forward. I think it's a boost of confidence for Halverson. I think it's a boost of confidence if he does well for the team. Um well, think about this. We also know from interviewing Tony V and the way he's wired, um, he's all in on winning this thing. This isn't one of the – like, so we've talked about teams who are trying to get healthy or they're not worried about it. That's not going to be Tony V. This is this is going for it all. It's, it's hard for me to get in the mind. I know that there's guys out there that could care less about, you know, this tournament. Um, and it, it – it, for – for what it is, it's a, it's a tournament, and it, it's not a whole lot of meaning other than being the SEC tournament champion. Because I think most teams, this and this is my opinion, most teams that are going to be in the regional are are going to still be there regardless of what happens this week. Um, and I would say that there's a good shot that all of these teams in this tournament get in. Um, but I will ask, you know, the seating and hosting and all of that could still be in play. What does Tennessee have to do in order to host? Are they hosting currently? If they lost, would they still be hosting? If it was if they're not, then how many games do they have to win in order for that to happen? If it was up to me, I would have them hosting, but I don't think the committee would have them hosting right now. So it's imperative and minimal that they win this game. But I would like to, in order to confidently lay money, let's say, on it, um, I think they need to win two games. Two games. I mean, they've played well down the stretch. They've been I – mean, we've said it on here. They're, they were the hottest team in baseball. Well, the, the the reason the or the the reason why I think you got to have two games, and the reason it's going to become difficult is the matchups that you're going to bring up next. There are a couple teams that could possibly, if they make a deep run or even win at all, will absolutely steal that bid from them. Very true. I mean, I, I think you you said it 
you know, a few minutes ago is that Tony V is looking to win this thing. And I think this is the reason why he doesn't want to have any doubts. Who doesn't want to play at home, the travel, not having to travel, having your own fans. Like it's a, it's a big, it's a big deal um, to be able to do that. Um, and it might go a long way as far as them being able to host super as well. So absolutely. And here's the thing. Tennessee, if they do win, you're going to have Arkansas. I do 100% expect Dave Van Horn to be trying to rest his pitching staff, at least at minimal for game one. And so I say that to say I like whoever's odds, Tennessee or Texas A&M, in that game too because I think Arkansas is not going to be in any hurry to throw their – they've had way too many pitching injuries, Daniel. And this is a team that does not want to lose anybody else for a SEC tourney that's not going to change anything. When you were talking about not changing anything, these guys are a national host, no matter what. They can be two and done. They're a national host. We saw it at Mississippi State in 2021. And so I like whoever wins this matchup to win the next matchup. And so for Tennessee, this could be fantastic. If you can win this one, you go out there, if you, whether you throw Doe, whoever, Burns, and you take game two – I think then you've cemented yourself as a regional host. Yeah. I mean, it, it would be hard to discount what they've done to get there and say that they, they shouldn't be. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with that. I think, I don't know. I think if they win one and lose a second, I still think they're in, in good shape. Um, they'll, they'll, if they win the first, they'll move on to a double elimination. So at that point, it's all about arms, and I, I believe they got the arms. Mm -hmm. um, I think they had a, a, you know, an outlying performance this past weekend from the bullpen, um, where you know Tennessee, I mean South Carolina just strung a bunch of hits together, and you didn't expect that to happen. I don't think that happens again, um, but I, I think them winning one and then you know regardless of how it turns out, I think they're in good shape. Um, you know, you mentioned Arkansas, and I, I'll ask you now, instead of waiting for later, um, I'll ask you now, what, what does LSU do as far as pitching in the first game? Because it's, it's – here's why I ask, because it's going to be a shortened rest period than what schemes would be – would normally have. So are you willing to do that or do you go, let's just see what happens. It's double elimination no matter no, what. It's, 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 it's undoubtedly not schemes. I actually have the intel on that. What's interesting is, you know, I have my group with the other LSU analysts and podcasters. And during that game three with Georgia, we're having the discussion of who's fixing to come out and pitch in relief and who's going to pitch on Wednesday. And so the discussion was, will it be Christian Little, or will it be Griffin Herring? You know, we're all these different scenarios, right? And then in that game three, literally every guy we were considering, Daniel, pitched out of the bullpen, leaving it to where we were really like, okay, who's going to pitch Wednesday? I have to believe it's going to be Thatcher Hurd. Um, who went five innings um, game one in relief. 
So he's got the most rest of your guys who are not your your front three starters and a guy who was their Sunday starter. So he can absolutely give you those innings. Uh, I believe I believe it's stature heard and you absolutely do not touch schemes. I don't think I don't think uh, Jay's going to do it. I've been told that he's not going to do it. Um, as a matter of fact, I wouldn't expect to see schemes even in the game two situation. I would expect to see Ty Floyd or Javon Coleman before I would him. I think. Does winning game one matter? Let's say you lose game your first game. You still go well. If we we're gonna if we're gonna lose, we lose and we're out. It's not gonna really do much for us as far as not hosting. Or does it? Um, I don't, I don't think. Go, all right, we lost game one. We have to win game two. So, schemes, you go. I, I think game one absolutely doesn't matter. And I do think, to your point, I think if they did lose game one, um, knowing Jay, he probably will pitch schemes because um, he doesn't want to go two and out. Um, I'm not scared of two and out just because I keep referencing back to, to 2021 Mississippi State. Um, they got absolutely run ruled out, literally out of the SEC tournament, and still ended up being a national host. Um, so I, th- I think LSU's kind of locked in there. But if they do lose game one, I think Jay will feel the pressure to need to win game two, and then I think he will go to Skeens. If they win game one with that, you heard, then I think that's when, like I said to you, he's going to go with one of the other guys and save um Skeens. But this is this is that. If I'm right about Thatcher Heard, this is his chance. It's been a real roller coaster ride for him coming coming to us from UCLA. And you get a good you get a good game, you get a bad game, you even get a couple bad games. He just came off a amazing performance out of the bullpen to help them get game one against Georgia, pitched into the twelfth inning. He needs to carry that momentum and show that LSU can trust in him because as you know, that is LSU's issue. We feel like outside of Skeens and, you know, Floyd on his good days, there isn't really anyone we can trust. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think I think really this, this SEC tournament is huge for LSU in a sense that they need to show some stability in the bullpen, and they need to play a lot of games in order to do that. I think the, I think just as much as the bullpen's got us to do something, it's it's kind of the lineups getting um, bailed out by the things that are happening. The amount of runners being left on base by LSU over the past three weekends um, is more than alarming. They they are leaving dudes stranded left and right. They've got to start producing more. They, these games, the bullpen wouldn't even be in the predicaments it's in if the lineup was producing the way that they were actually expected and projected. And and it's not even like, we're not even talking about like the eight, nine hitters. I mean, you're, you're, you're talking about the cruises and the whites and the Dugasses of the world. Like guys, you, you're coming. I mean, I'll give a situation. I mean, in that game three, you know, you got two men on one out they're on second, third, and you got Cruz and white coming up and you're feeling great. And they both get out and you didn't even get a run across the plate. That can't happen. Not with those two dudes. Yeah, that very true. I think um, it's given the way they've hit all season. I mean, they're having 
I would say a little hiccup, a little speed bump in the road right now. Um, and I think it's magnified by the fact that you're just in general, there's not a lot of, it's not the baseball play. You know, I, I, I'll, I'll say this. If there happens to be LSU fans listening, Daniel, you know how I, how I feel about a lot of Jay Johnson's decisions. When it comes to that lineup, if he does not give Gavin Dugas a break, I will question him for the rest of my time because since he's been playing hurt, he has struggled mightily, to, to put it nicely. And it's been clear he's hurt. And the stats back every bit of it up pre- and post-injury. That dude needs some time off. As a matter of fact, it's not even just one game. Me and the boys were talking about it. I wouldn't play him this tournament. If he comes out there, if he rolls them out there game one, I'll question everything about him because he's not thinking long-term. I mean, is Daniel, a guy, the guy, the guy was batting like 350. He's batting like 180 post-injury. So I, the, the old school philosophy on hitting is, and, and if, you, if you think about it in a nutshell, like, you can't get better at hitting if you're not hitting, if that makes sense. But you can't but, get healed if you keep swinging the bat. I agree, and that's why I, I don't know the extent of, of injury. I don't know the extent of how much you know Dugas is telling them about how he feels. Um, but if it's noticeable to the eye of the fan, then it's probably – it's the where there's smoke, there's fire, you know. So yeah. I'm sure there's something to it, but hopefully they figure it out. Um, I want to get back to those single elimination games. You got Alabama at Kentucky. I think of those, there's those games. I think this is the most intriguing. Um, I think Alabama has a lot to play for, and and shout out to them for what's happened over the past three weeks to turn around and still put themselves in a position to, to do this with a interim head coach and the guys just kind of rallying. And I, th I think it's because they're a veteran team. They got veteran leadership and they just know like, Hey, it, it doesn't matter what's going on outside of this program. We we've got to figure it out internally and we've got to go out and win games. And, and they're, they're doing great um, with all that. They, they're coming in against a really a high Kentucky team. And I say high because there's a lot of people high on Kentucky. And I, I personally, I know how they played South Carolina, um, but I don't necessarily see it. I don't know. Am, am I missing something? I mean, I, I watched the scrappy team come into to Baton Rouge and play the way they did. I watched them against Vandy. I watched them against South Carolina. Um, I think part of it's just typically Kentucky's not a very good baseball team, and so we kind of think in that manner. Um, but they've competed, and they've their strength of schedule and RPI is unrivaled. And so they're the team that I was referencing when I was really talking about Tennessee earlier they can absolutely steal that regional spot in a heartbeat, um, even with Tennessee taking the head-to-head -head because of that strength of schedule and RPI that is very favorable for them versus what Tennessee's is. And so 
Um, Kentucky, I, I think they're a team that if they were to win that game and then they were able to move on and beat Florida um, and then you were to go Kentucky, Tennessee, it'd be interesting, right? Because I'm one of those that values head-to-head, but you know the system does not necessarily. They'll, they'll look at the body of work, and Kentucky's body of work is better than Tennessee's. So um, it, it's really interesting. But to your point on Alabama, um, man, they what they've done, and Pinkney, man, that dude's a beast. Like, I don't know. They're, they're playing so motivated with their coach gone. It, it's, it's interesting how many people pick them to completely fold, right? And they said not so fast, you know, Lee Corso style. And the man, this to me, like when you talk about a toss up, like when you look at these first round matchups, is this not the best game? I mean, if if I told you Kentucky Alabama was going to be your best game of your your opening day SEC tournament coming into this season, you'd have laughed at me. Yeah, hundred um, percent. We, I I don't think any of us on this podcast would have would have said that about that. I mean, I had Alabama finishing last in the West. We know that. And then I had Kentucky only above Missouri and Georgia and not being, you know, real competitive. And so, yeah, and and here we are. And, you know, Alabama, for for their argument, because they've done what they've done, I mean, they're going to need more than a couple games, but they're a team that if they could magically make a run to the end of this thing, they could be the team still. I mean – it's 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 a really interesting dynamic in how the committee is going to look at look at this. But I will say this before we move on even to the last game and talk about the overall winner. These people who think seven SEC teams are going to host regionals have lost their mind. They're not. They don't understand the idea of the word regional. It's, I was thinking the same thing. It's geographic. If you think they're going to have only one West Coast team and they're going to have no Northeast teams and they're just going to put all these South teams in there to host a regional, you've lost your mind. It's going to be six at max. I think it's going to be five. And so, so for the sake of argument, what, what I'm saying is I think, so Florida, Vanderbilt, Arkansas, and LSU, your, your actual top four seeds in this bracket are your teams. And I think the rest of the teams are fighting for that fifth spot. If two of them play extremely well, maybe you can make the argument for six is what I'm saying. But these, these people who think seven, no, I don't care what their strength of schedule is, all that. They're not going to do it, the, you know, because because we're not going to we'll talk about it too much. Like a team that like you have high on your rankings, right? UConn, they're going to want a team from the Northeast. They're going to want a mid-major team. And they're not going to slot that to another SEC team. I was just going to say, I mean, and our, our next episode, I mean, we got a really good player from a really good school. Why, why couldn't it be them? You know, yeah, absolutely. Campbell is, is playing unbelievable. And if you really want to drive, dive a little bit deeper, Dallas Baptist is having the best season they've had in program history. And why not them? Um, we'll, we'll, we're going to revisit this because this is a, a, a hot button topic that I think we need to dig into, but let's get into the, the SEC tournament winner. Um, Give me your your winner and and who they're playing in the championship and and how it goes down. Well, first of all, before I do that, we didn't pick the last one, but I think oh, sorry. I, I think it's because I mean, we don't need to. It's Auburn. Auburn, Auburn is, is Auburn, playing ball. I think Auburn has a chance to beat Missouri and beat Vanderbilt. I, I just absolutely. Think, 
I think. Especially because Vanderbilt's banged up pitching-wise. Yeah, I don't know how deep Auburn gets after that. So I, I don't – I wouldn't necessarily pick them to be like, oh, they're going to go on a run and, and win it all. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if they won a couple games. Um, I know Auburn's got such an – it's it's amazing. When we talk about resumes, and, and we'll move on because I know we were already supposed to be moving on. You know, they got some bad losses, but they got some amazing wins. Boy. I mean, they beat all the right teams, I tell you that. But they as didn't, far as – I mean, Ethan, Ethan came on the show. He told you. That Auburn team was flat good. Yeah. And so, before I do my picks, let me go ahead and get our guy who's not here. Randy made sure to text. He wanted me to put it in there. He's got Arkansas meeting Florida for the championship with Florida winning it. And that had to have, like, hurt him to text. As much as that dude hates Florida, like, hey, he must really be a high on Florida because I, I can't even believe he sent it. I know that's uh that's that's very strange. He that's, he's got something up his sleeve. There there there's something going on here. He's he's it's a little fishy. He's not here to defend it. I don't know. I mean, you you look at the way that it's set up. Um, they're on opposite ends of the bracket, Tennessee and Florida. They, I don't know. It's it's very very strange to me. What, that pick, but I will say this: it it would not surprise me. I mean, the way they're both playing, um, you know, I think Dave Inhorn's probably arguably done the best coaching job he's done in a really long time with this Arkansas team, and they're not even at full strength yet. They still got guys like like Brady who is. On a pitch count, I mean, he's looking better and better, and he's getting extended every every outing. But like, he's not like I wouldn't say he's at full full strength yet. Um, so, you know, you know, shout out to him. They're, they're they're doing big things. But going to the winner, obviously, we got Randy's pick. Who you got, Jim? Ironically, Randy picks Florida. I'm not going to give you who's playing each other because it's too hard to to decipher how this. It could lay out, and I could be picking two teams that have no chance of matching up when it comes to the end of the day. But when I look at their pitching, their availability, um, their will to want to win, the fact that they need it, I'm going Tennessee. Wow. 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 That is that's pretty impressive. Um, you know, I, I think the popular pick would be exactly what Randy did is to go Florida, Arkansas, Arkansas win. Or, Florida win. Florida. Florida. Um, I think for me personally, I think Arkansas is going to win it all. Um, I just think the baseball that they're playing, the coaching job that's happening, I think the guys that are getting back healthy is going to make this team a, a really, really tough team. And I think this weekend is going to kind of put them in a level where people go, oh, shit, like this team right here could win it all. Like I'm not saying it, it, it gets them a number one national seed, but what I do say is that it'll put them in more of the conversation of being the best team in college baseball after 
this weekend. I think they were, you know, you talk about the national suit. I think they were very actually Arkansas fans. Most of the ones I know actually it's surprising. They were very happy to lose this past series. Obviously Arkansas players and parents weren't, but fans were because they didn't want to even be in the discussion because had they swept Mandy and Wake choked at all in that game three, just gave any kind of, you know, and a loss and any kind of doubt, they knew they were going to be holding that number one. And after 2021, we've had the players on here to talk about it, Daniel. They want nothing to do with it. Yeah, I mean, I get it. But then again, I want to win every game. I'm not holding a whole lot of wins. Nick said he absolutely doesn't care about that. Uh, and, and somebody's got to break a curse and bring that number one on. Right, baby. He See, that's, that's how you got to be. You got to embrace it. You just gotta like go for it and go look. <laughs> he wasn't hey. there. He wasn't there though on that 2021 Arkansas team to feel that way. Very, very true. But he's he said it ain't gonna be me. All right. So we 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 got into it a little bit. Um, but the eight national seeds, obviously, um, if you had to pick the eight top national seeds, you know, if you were the com- committee you have the opportunity. Who are you picking? Obviously, we, we talked a minute ago, and there are people out there that think it's it's SEC or bust, and, and 90% of the field is going to be SEC schools, but it's, it's, you know, regionally, and it's built, you know, off geographics. I mean, um, there's a little bit of fairness that has to go into that, travel that has to go in there, a lot of, a lot of things that have to be held in check in order for you to host um, and, and be one of these top seeds. But um, who do you have currently and would your list change depending on how things go this weekend? Or do you think no matter what your list will be the same? I think my list will be the same. The only thing to change would be the order. Um I got Wake Forest, Florida, Arkansas, LSU, Stanford. Let me start with Stanford real quick because that's one of the people. People talk about their strength of schedule. I mean, they don't have top 25 wins, all that. doesn't matter. They won the Pac-12 by five games. They're a West Coast team. People can argue SEC schedule all they want. That's that's your that's your first one that people attacked when they saw it. It's You can you can wish, you can dream, whatever. Stanford's a lock for a national seed. Um and so, um, like I said, Wake, Florida, Arkansas, LSU, Stanford, Clemson. Clemson is being slept on. I was sleeping on them for the longest time. Daniel, their only series losses are Wake Forest and a healthy South Carolina early in the season when, when South Carolina was beating everybody's tail. Okay? Their resume is very impressive. They're ranked right now in the top seven. Um, you know, so obviously even, you know, the national rankings feel the same way about them. I got I got them for a lock on it, no matter what happens, even in the ACC tournament. Um, I mean, I guess you could make an argument that Miami, if they were to win the ACC tournament, could still – that's about the only thing I could give you because Miami's only a few spots back in the ranking and they got some great wins. Um, the one that me and you know about, the, one that, the other one that people are going to hate, the Coastal or UConn, it's one of them. One of them is getting that. You, know, you don't right, like it? It's UConn. I've been – I think I think it's UConn too, but I put Coastal there just because of where they're ranked. If UConn was to maybe choke in their in their conference tournament and and Coastal Wizards, but no matter what, people better just 
live with it. A mid-major that can maybe, I don't know what either of their stadiums hold. They may hold 1,200 people. I don't know. But they're going to be, one of them two is going to be hosting, and, and it is what it is. Um, but, you know, like you said, I think it's UConn. I think, I think you're going to have a Northeastern team. Um, I think regardless of the lack of quality wins, um, their record is what it is. Their ranking is what it is. But, you know, we'll see. But give me one of those two. I know that's kind of like nitpick or however you want to say it, but like I'm I'm given two choices. And then I think the last one's Vandy. I mean, as much as I don't know how to feel about Vandy on a week-to-week basis, they seem to always win really big matchups it's going just back to this last weekend. I mean, they take two of three from Arkansas, and I didn't give them a chance to win that series, especially, you know, with two arms out. Um, and they've won so many big ones. Outside of the ass-whooping they took in Knoxville, They've been sharp. Let me ask you this. Is it possible that the SEC could only get two teams? Is there a scenario that you see that? No, I think it's. Florida and Arkansas are the only two. I think there's no scenario where they keep LSU out. Um, I think their their body of work, even with the, the hiccups, but if I – I, t- I tell you, Daniel, when you got Paul Skeens and Dylan Cruz and Tommy White, like, I think there's going to be some biases in that room. And I think they're going to – and Alex Box being, you know, as recognizable as it is, top five stadium, um, for most most people's opinion, I think they absolutely want it there. So I don't think there's a chance that LSU slides off no matter what happens. And then we obviously know Florida and Arkansas are good. You know, Vandy, Vandy could. Um, I just feel like their their body of work um, is just too good. True. True. Who? Who? All right. So I'm a, I'm gonna flip it on you and ask. So let's say Vandy does. They they are two and done. That eight spot opens up. If you could pick any team that is not on those other seven to be that next team. Who are you putting there? Oh, man. Um, I think you got to look at Texas. I think you – and I always say that because they won a piece of the Big 12. They are a regional between them, Dallas Baptist. And they just swept a top-10 team. Correct. I think they're a name, their lineage. I think given they, all they that, would have I, to win the Big Twelve tournament, though, don't you think? I don't know. Um, it, it's but it, it so the 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 question is is does the committee put thought into this weekend? And what I mean by that is if you win the conference outright, does it outweigh a bad performance in the conference tournament? I think it should. Right. My my interesting thought, and I was hoping you would do it, is, is one of the is one of the reasons why I asked you the question. I was wondering if you were gonna say coastal and Yukon. I I don't think I don't see a scenario where both of them it's one or the other. What I do see is a Campbell. I see a Dallas Baptist being an option. Um, but obviously, I think a lot of that 
is based on. I have Campbell and DBU. As I know we're talking about nationals. If 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 I know anything about what we do, and and you know I, I've bragged about being right a lot. If Campbell and DBU aren't regional hosts, I feel like I don't know anything. I feel like both of them have solidified. DBU really did it when they swept UTSA. Um, like you said, Campbell has done what they have done all season long, and they've stayed consistent. I just I feel like those two teams better get the respect that they deserve as a mid major, and they and they haven't not played anybody. Both those teams and their out of conference schedule have played big time opponents, especially DBU. DBU is man, and you know they've been doing that for years. You you follow DBU. DBU, they they do not shy away from competition. Not at all. You know, and they know they have to. Like they, they play in a conference where it's there are some co- like it's competitive, but they know outside of that they have to go and they have to play midweek games. They gotta they gotta win their conference, but they also have to pick up big mid midweek series or big midweek games and win them. Um, if if you're asking me, I think it's it's probably a safe bet that at least three SEC schools are, are going to be one of those those eight. I mean, Florida, Arkansas, I think are are in no matter what. What I'm torn is between LSU and, and Vanderbilt. Um, I think when you look at it, it's it's LSU. Um, but I do think that maybe this weekend could have some factor in that. But I, I'm on the opposite side of what most people think, and it's more SEC teams than not. I think it's less SEC teams than what people are thinking. Um, I think it's three. I think Florida, Arkansas, and LSU are, are there. Um, I think it's Wake. It's UConn, it's Florida, it's Arkansas, it's Stanford, it's LSU, I think it's Texas, and then I think the last one is going to be that one team that we talked about in that DBU, that Campbell, that coastal realm. Um, I think it's hard to negate the fact that they win their conference, they have great seasons, they don't shy away from competition, and I don't know if they have to be. They can they can only play who's in, on their schedule, and they maximize doing that. So. What what I hate in the mid major discussion, this was and they you know they were projected Omaha eighteen for me, and they're a team um, that you want to see hosting the whole way through to Omaha, ECU having too many inexplicable losses in the season. That's the, the way people I've told you that's, that's like right now my bucket list place to go that I haven't been. I want to go to the jungle in the postseason and watch a the game. They talked about that atmosphere and the idea that they were supposed to be damn near a lock to be a national seed with just how their conference was. And, and they didn't have the, you know, world's toughest schedule and they found a way to to put themselves on the outside looking in. Um I had I had them 13 on my rankings. I didn't see where I know they weren't in the top 10 undoubtedly for um D1, but I, I don't know if they're in the discussion, but they're a team that if they don't get it, um they're gonna find themselves, you know, 
upset with themselves that they they did not lock that down because they have a home field advantage just as good as anybody in the nation. Yeah, I mean, I think talent-wise, they stack up there. Um, they've been to the promised land before. They know how to get there. They know what it takes. Um, but, yeah, they, they've they missed out on some, some big opportunities this season. They're still one of the top teams in the country. But um, when we talk about national ranking, I don't know if they're quite there. And then the last team I want to talk on, and, and, and we can put a bow on it, at least from my side, um, when we're talking about those overall just regional hosts, um, obviously I know we we're talking national, but this is another team. Oregon State, that I understand not a bunch of high-quality wins specifically because their conference was down. Same thing as Stanford, right? Um, but a top-10-ranked team, a really great record, a name, a West Coast team with a great venue, people need to just get off of it. They're going to be hosting too. They may be the 16th host, but they're going to be. Yeah, I, I don't have them in my – what I put out as far as my potential regional hosts. Well, and I, and I want you to speak to and, them. And I'll, 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 I'll tell you why, because they didn't win their conference. And I, it's hard for me to justify them not hosting or them hosting over other teams that did win their conference because. That's a segue because the, qu the question I wanted to, you to tell the listeners was Maryland. They won their conference tournament. That's so you, so they, your thing is, regardless of how bad the conference was. Yeah, I, I think. But when you look at Maryland, go outside of their conference, who did they play? I know Ole Miss because I was there, but that's the worst team in the SEC. But it's an SEC team if if – if LSU sweeps Ole Miss, the defending champs, like people are like, oh, they went down there and just, you know, took care of business against a good Ole Miss team. They're not going to go, oh, they they should have won. Right. Because they're the worst team in the SEC. I mean. I guess to your point, Ole Miss being the worst team in the SEC, they're probably arguably the second or third best team in the Big Ten. I mean, probably. I mean, but then again, I mean, Iowa beat LSU at the beginning of the season, and Iowa kind of faded pretty hard. Um, I don't know. It's hard for me to do, like, to do an apples-to-apples apples comparison with teams that don't have the opportunity to play the same schedule. Like, nobody will be able to play the SEC schedule except the teams in the SEC. And it shouldn't be a penalty against a team. Well, like and that's why I don't think there's going to be seven SEC hosts like some people. You're not you, just because they play in the best conference. You can't just reward everybody. Here's what I will say. And when I was looking at these conference uh, winners, Oral Roberts and Kent State, I put them into potential regional hosts for the simple fact that they won their conference. They had 40, over 40 wins. There's not many teams in college baseball that have over 40 wins. And it's, that's a big deal to hit that marker. Uh, I thought it was funny that um, 
so many people, uh, first of all, I love that you do stuff unapologetically and don't care what anybody thinks. And you put those out there and people laughed. And I would say to them that you played on the college level. You won a national championship as a coach on the college level. Um, and you study this game and know this game better than they do more than likely. So for them to even laugh and discredit your pick, and then you just justified why conference winners, 40 wins, maybe they should reevaluate and check your resume and think, Hey, this isn't just some idiot putting out names for fun. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you want to look at it, only how many teams in the sec had over 40 wins this year? And I know it's different because they're beating up on each other, but I, I think I think it's the three that we've. I think because I know LSU did, and so I would probably gather gather it's Florida, Arkansas, LSU. It's there's only two. It's Florida and LSU. So Both Arkansas didn't 40, even get forty. Thirty nine. Hmm. Um. But I mean, Alabama has thirty eight, and that actually makes sense because you'd say, "How did the team that won the SEC?" Um, I know from a lot of Arkansas fans, they hated midweeks. They were losing every midweek, and that would be where they didn't get to 40. Yeah, and that's why I said, like, it's a big deal to win 40 games because that means your midweek games show value to you. Um, not sure who you're playing, you know, when you're Oral Roberts or at Kent State, but I would assume that being those teams, their midweek games are probably upper-tier competition because usually the upper tier competition is going to play the Kent States and the Oral Roberts in their midweeks. It's usually how it rolls, but um, you know, that that's kind of, I I'm always going to root for the underdog and, and try to give some, you know, I, I want to give the little guy a chance, you know, I think it's fair. I think justifying them to in it for me is, is, I think I did that. Um, I think that they have a chance not to. They're they're not going to go to Omaha. They're not going to win a national championship. But I think they have a a really good shot of being really good. You remember Wright State? Yep. I mean, pretty similar. A Tennessee probably is 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 lucky the game ended the way that it did, but. you know, long story short, I, I I wanted to give them their due, um, and I wanted to put them in there. But that's yeah. all I got on college baseball, man. That's that's a lot. Yeah, I'm um, like I said, I'm uh, I'm gonna go check out Hoover, and um, yeah, so you're gonna go, you're gonna go to Hoover, um, Thursday and Friday, and uh, you know, obviously, you know, take take my son with me and. It's not obviously I want LSU to win, but this trip, Daniel, is not about that. This is the culmination of everything we do. I'm going to get to see a numerous team. It's no different than when I go to Omaha every year, right? Regardless of who's there. Um, culmination of the SEC teams get to see a whole bunch of talent in a different environment with my son, take it all in, get to watch all these, all these different teams match up, can play out so many different ways. Obviously want LSU to win it all, going to be rooting that way. 
But if they were to lose, it's not going to be what determines, you know, a good trip or not. It's going to be about going and watching great baseball in a great atmosphere with my kid. And and that's it, man. I mean, that's what it is all about. It's a kid's game, and you're being able to grow the game. You know, we talk about growing the game. There's more to growing the game than just making tweets and doing a podcast. When you grow the game, you're taking your son to a game that he may never play, but he's appreciating it. He has a favorite player. He has a favorite team. Like, And if, if listeners have not seen you on social media with, with him, like he... He, he is overcome with joy when his team wins and he's, you know, at the lowest of lows when they lose, like he gets it and not many people his age get it. And that's a direct reflection of you spending the time talking to him, growing the game for him. What, what my, my favorite analysis from him, Daniel, I feel like I've done a great job based upon these were not my words. These were his exact words. Lounge dog, all the boys in Starville can confirm this. Brady Tiger is his favorite player, plays for Arkansas, but he's a state fan. He knew that I had explained to him that Brady was going to be on a pitch count. I said, he's not going to pitch more than three innings. He said, I hope Brady does amazing. And then he said, I hope afterward Mississippi State whoops Arkansas. And that's is it. Hey. I'm not going to root against my guy, but my team is going to is going to win, and I want them to and I want them to whoop the other team. Hey, he gets it. Now, unfortunately, it didn't go well for him, but nonetheless. Hey, I mean, I think he he got to see his team win a national championship, and I think he eventually will see them again do it. They're just like the the history there. You're not going to keep them out of it. Forever. I mean, with, without taking our episode that direction, I think Mississippi State, with their number three recruiting class, with guys like Dakota Jordan and Hunter Hines, who are guests of these shows, and and the young talent, Brock Tapper pitching, I, I think Mississippi State is back in contention next year. So, Mississippi State fans, if you're listening, hang tight. I think next year you're back. Hey, it's it's just uh, it's a ride, man. Baseball is is it's hard to win. It's hard to win at all. Um, and when you do, the mo- the hardest thing after that is to replicate that. Well, and they also went to Omaha unprecedented three times in a row. I mean, you, you get spoiled in a way. Like, when you, you're not used to losing. You had not done it in a while. The fan base sure gets spoiled, that's for sure. <laughs> they, they, they don't know what to think. Um, but here's what I do think is that Wake Forest has an incredible team. They have incredible pitchers, incredible position players, unbelievable hitters, especially our boy, Nicky Nukes, Nick Kurtz. I want to thank him for joining the show. Um, If you liked hearing Nick's story or you just like hearing us average Joes talk X's and O's, please like and share the podcast on Facebook. Retweet us on Twitter. Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, anywhere that you get your podcast stream. Your content for listening purposes, whether that's in the gym like 
like my boy Jim here, or if it's like me when you're out in the garage doing your thing, man, turn us on, give us a like, subscribe on YouTube, do it all, man. We, we appreciate all that. We always enjoy the, the thumbs up, the hearts, the likes, the love, the hugs, all the good things that you guys give us. We appreciate it. And I say all that, man, because we're, we're coming back. We're going to take a little, little small holiday Memorial Day break. Jim's going to head to Hoover. He's going to check out a few games. We're going to enjoy our Memorial Day. But next Wednesday, the 31st, the last day of May, we're closing out season seven with Cade Cooler. And Cade's going to tell us about Campbell baseball. He, he's really going to talk to us about the magic that's going on there because, Jim, I don't know about you, but – that's the only word that I can describe is there's some magic going on over in Campbell because those guys play baseball at a really high level and they're kicking ass to be honest. And I like anything that's, you know, when they get hyped up, they say roll damn humps. That just sounds so good. I know. Like if you're a camel, if you're a Campbell camel, like it just sounds like we're ballers, dude. So I, I can't wait. I hope you guys join us. Once again, May 31st, taking a quick little break. When we come back, uh, it'll be the season seven finale. Hope to see you all there. This has been the In Off the Bench podcast. As always, remember, strong body, sharp mind. Get and grind all the time. We out.